We Got This by author Cornelius Minor is a book you must have. We Got This explores how the work of creating more equitable school spaces is embedded in our everyday choices, specifically in the choice to really listen to kids. This book addresses advocacy, inclusivity, and building bridges while making learning relevant and accessible. You can transform your teaching. Your team can transform your school. Your school can solve real community problems if you listen. Learn more and purchase We Got This Now at Heinemann.com. Welcome to our classroom. In this space, we talk about education, which is inclusive of, but not limited to, what happens in schools. Education is taking place whenever and wherever we are willing to learn. I am your host, Roberto Germán, and our classroom is officially in session. Student Voice Matters. So in this episode, we have Clara Mangali joining us. She's a high school senior doing big things. Through her senior research project, she was inspired to create a virtual workshop for educators and students of color that addresses justice and healing. Excited to have Clara with us. She's also involved with Gabriela South Bay, an anti-imperialist grassroots organization fighting for the liberation of Filipino women. Hey, yes, yes, indeed, y'all. We got a special one today. Y'all know this is my first time having a student on. And I'm excited about this because, you know, student voice matters. And so today we have Clara Mangali and she's a student. She is an activist. She's into community building. Uh, she resides on the ancestral land of Keats. Did I say that right? Yeah. It's about like Keech. <laughs> OK. All right. Thank you for correcting me there. A student at Chadwick School in Palos Verde, California. Uh, she attended the NAIS, National Association of Independent Schools, Student Diversity Leadership Conference in 2019, and that inspired a lot of the work that she is doing now, all right, leading organizations at her school, such as the multi-racial uh, and Asian American student organizations. Uh, she, she created this workshop based on her senior research project, led a virtual workshop on justice and healing. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, justice and healing with Clara Mangali. I am excited to have you on today. This is First time having a student, and this won't be the last time, but you're definitely setting a tone here. So thank you for taking the time to be with me today on our classroom, and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Well, I'm honored to have you. I'm impressed by the work that you've been doing. I didn't get to attend the workshop, but I read the details of it, and I, I saw the video. I was able to really feel your your passion for the the content that you were presenting and I was intrigued I was intrigued by you being a young person being a high school person getting ready to transition to college but taking an interest in investing your time your energy your research your resources and 
hosting this workshop that did include educators and students, but really it was geared towards educators. And I, I found that to be unique. And so I, I appreciate that. And so as an educator, it's a valuable mind to continually stress the importance of student voice. And I'm eager to hear from you and learn more about your senior project in which you hosted a virtual justice and healing workshop. Who was your target audience and what type of schools did they come from? Absolutely. I think that what I really want to note is the first audience I had to identify was, you know, the audience of my research. Not only were educators of color involved in my eventual sort of like workshop, but they were such influential voices in my research. And when I was seeking out that audience, the network within the National Association of Independent Schools really helped me out. You know, my English teacher, who's an incredible role model of mine, helped connect me with teachers who were so eager to share their stories. And, you know, and, just, and who, who's let me let me interject. Who's the single teacher? Because we got to give props to, to the teacher. Oh, my that goodness. He is going to hate this. But uh, Mr. George Ramos, um, incredible role model and just an incredible force uh, at my school and has been for so long. Um, and shout out, shout out, hey, everybody. <laughs> George Ramos. He's, you know, he, he might be a, a little flustered right now. He but we're going to give props and props to do. Shout out to George Ramos. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, he was so helpful in connecting me with teachers within that, you know, uh, independent school network, um, just because they're, uh, Teachers within that network are connected through like listservs and many things. A lot of them have attended, you know, the teacher equivalent of the Student Diversity Leadership Conference, which is the People of Color Conference. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I I've attended a few times. Absolutely, and there's there's definitely there's such bonds that get formed there, like so much that they communicate with each other years after, um, and many of them go uh, multiple times, but. Yeah, so many of the teachers, I interviewed in total 15 different educators of color um, who are both current and former teachers. The ones who are current teachers uh, were independent school teachers, but they had all just such a diverse background in terms of education. They had taught in many different schools. They had taught in colleges. Some of them didn't even come from an education background, but had fallen into it just because of their love of the work. Um, you know, some of them were held, you know, what we know as like formal DEI director roles, but so other of them were just classroom teachers for whom justice was a huge passion of theirs. So I really wanted these voices to drive what would become the action part of my project. Um, and, you know, through my conversations, what had really emerged as a clear commonality was the desire to be in community with other educators and students of color. So that was just, you know, the most beautiful kind of like uh, commonality that all of these individuals shared. And I knew that once I heard that, once I heard in my interviews, every single one of them reporting, no, this is where I find my community. This is where I feel restored, that that had to be a part of the action part of my project. Um, and then additionally, sort of to touch on what you were talking about with the workshop itself, um, we had over 20 different students and educators of color, um, many of whom came from independent schools. But again, there was a diverse, you know, range of experience and backgrounds. Some were administrators, some were teachers. Um, but like you were saying, I think you touched on this a little bit. I realized that um, all people of color spaces are often only students or only teachers. So I thought it was a really rare opportunity to bring together all of these people, um, you know, in community because the inequities of teaching intersect with the inequities of schooling in so many ways. 
And I thought that, you know, I just had to take advantage of that opportunity to create that space for people to come together in community, but then, you know, to realize that we have so much in common. Take a moment to share some of the key takeaways from your research. Uh, how, how can independent schools use the data from your research to inform their own practices? And I ask these questions because I, I think it's important that we we take the time to to learn from our young folks, to learn from our students. Sometimes y'all are able to see and identify things that we cannot see and identify as adults, uh, as practitioners, uh, as folks who are in charge of so many things that while we may be well-intentioned, it it might get lost uh, along the way. Absolutely. You know, I think that there are two things that I had to remain aware of, which was that my perspective as a student meant that I could not and would not, you know, speak for educators. I had to let them sort of like, you know, just like I wanted to hear their voices directly. But also, you know, you were saying like the perspective of a student informs so much, like to be able to see these issues as someone receiving my education, as someone, you know, participating in this educational institution, this predominantly white educational institution, there was a lot that had been revealed to me over the four years of my schooling. So through my research, I ultimately, the biggest takeaway, if there's one thing sort of that will stick with me forever, is that if we're to tackle the issues facing teachers of color, we have to adopt a really holistic perspective, right? So I was looking at, you know, all these figures and statistics of underrepresentation, you know, in California, the state where I'm in, the student force is majority people of color, the teaching force is majority white, there's kind of a, you know, fundamental mismatch with that. But if we're not considering issues of access and recruitment, then how are we going to begin to address that? And if we can't honestly just look at issues of access and recruitment in isolation either, because if we're not invested in improving the experience for teachers of color where they are currently in their positions, um, you know, we're not going to make a difference. And then on top of that, like it's just layers upon layers upon layers. You know, we can't consider just the practical challenges facing teachers of color currently without considering the somatic and psychological effects of the past few years, you know, because that's what the pandemic's affected, right? It's our bodies, but, you know, also many of our communities who've had to witness things like very public murders of people who look like us, who've had to witness the mishandling of justice in a very public and traumatic way, we have to also consider what are the mental and bodily impacts of those. So ultimately, if we take all of these different fears and integrate them, you know, that's really where the change is going to begin. And I think that the reactive model of responding to inequity that independent schools employ is no longer working because it doesn't take into account all of these different you know, impacts um, that come from so many different places. And, you know, I think that ultimately when I'm thinking about what I would want a school to take away from this research or any research is that the outward performance of, you know, commitment to ideals like equity and justice, it doesn't necessarily equal a positive experience for the people of color within that community. And, you know, once we face up to that and really invest in creating spaces and resources for educators of color to have their voices heard, that's when the change will begin to happen. And it's just about coming to that place where we can be self-critical and where we can understand, you know, the legacy, especially of um, exclusion in education, how that affects our schools to this day. Mm, That's a bar right there. (laughs) 
Thank you. During your final presentation for your research project, you, you talked about the joy you experienced in bringing people together and supporting them in building community. How will you sustain your joy as you continue to work of being an activist and educator? This work can be draining. I'm going to be honest with yeah. you. It's, it's somebody who served as director of multicultural affairs and community development and different type of DEIJ roles and so on and so forth. This work can be draining. How will you sustain your joy? Absolutely. You know, I have to express, you know, I have a little bit of discomfort with being referred to as an activist because in truth, the educators of color who have guided me, the incredible activist women who I organize with, you know, they are the activists to me. And when you talk about sustaining joy, you know, I've been really lucky to have community building modeled for me in many ways. So sustaining joy for me means, you know, centering those figures, those real activists in my life. Um, honoring and celebrating the resilience and the wisdom that these everyday workers and teachers, um, you know, how they give so much to their communities. So when I, when you talk about sustaining joy, I interpret that as, you know, a challenge to myself because I want to challenge myself about how I can serve them, live out the lessons they've taught me about the importance of, you know, using community as a tool of resistance. And, you know, beyond that, I kind of just want to also reflect, um, one of my interview participants noted this rather eloquently, and they stated, you know, sometimes it feels like doing equity work at independent schools is an inherent values conflict. So when, it, when I think about how I can sustain my own joy, I hope to do that through preserving the radical nature of educational activism that's been present throughout history. You know, uh, when we think about things, you know, like the Third World Liberation Front protests for ethnic studies or the first quarter storm in the Philippines, um, you know, the radical nature of educational activism is something that I want to commit to uphold, not just in my works, but also in my actions, because, you know, I think it's important to remember and honor this history because it allows us to claim the joy that lies in being able to reimagine educational structures. And I want to continue sort of like to seek out communities that are committed to challenging these unjust structures because that's ultimately what brings me joy. Deep, deep, deep. Uh, I want to take a moment and, and give you an opportunity to shout out some of these real activists, some of these individuals that have impacted you. you we, we've already mentioned Mr. Ramos, but <laughs> Who are some of these other in individuals that have inspired you, impacted you, and, and and really individuals that you are learning from and modeling yourself after? Absolutely. I mean, I know that I think that if you approach any person of color, they all have, they could give you either one to a litany of teachers who've impacted them. So I have, you know, my advisor and mentor, uh, Ms. Carly Dryden, uh, again, my advisors and mentors, um, uh, Ms. Nock Ann Wynn, uh, Mr. Ramos, uh, Senora Angie Navarez, um, Mr. Rico Siasoko, uh, Ms. Shar Angle, and so many others that I couldn't even possibly begin to list. And then above all, too, um, the activists um, and the community builders over at Gabriella South Bay, the anti-imperialist women's organization who really introduced me to the idea of community organizing. Um, they are the ultimate models just of giving back to the community. Um, and they just, they all deserve to be honored. I think that's one of the one tenets of this project I feel like is like, 
you know, if I don't accomplish anything, how at the very least can I make sure that these individuals know just how much of an impact they've made on me? You mentioned Gab South Bay, an organization that you're involved with. And there are two campaigns that they're engaged in, the the Philippine Human Rights Act and Contra Day 2022. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us? Because a lot of us don't necessarily know about these campaigns. And I think that we should know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely uh, go to uh, search up Philippine Human Rights Act. This is a very important piece of legislation that national democratic uh, Filipino activists across the country have been pushing for. It is an incredibly important piece of legislation that in a nutshell would suspend military aid to the Philippines until we can ensure that that money is not going to killing our activist brothers and sisters, killing our indigenous brothers and sisters, our worker activists, all of that. Um, So definitely look it up, see if your representative has supported it. It is incredibly important, you know, if they haven't, write to them, ensure that they are taking a stand for this incredibly important piece of legislation um, that impacts both Filipinos you know, in the motherland, but as well, uh, Filipinos across the diaspora is incredibly important. Contra Dia 2022, um, ensuring clean and honest elections in the Philippines. This is also incredibly important and incredibly timely, um, you know, within the next uh, week, uh, elections in the Philippines will occur. So if you uh, look up the campaign Contra Dia 2022, you'll be able to learn a little bit about how you can ensure um, you know, the preservation of democracy and the, also the protection of rights of overseas Filipino workers who uh, are also, you know, they also vote in those elections. And that's incredibly important. And I think I said Contra Day, but it's Contra Daya. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, what, what does Daya stand for? It stands for against fraud. So it's oh, about, okay. you know, again, furthering that idea of um, clean and honest elections um, okay. for the people. Okay. Thank you for clarifying Thank that. You. <laughs> So for our listeners, what's the message of encouragement you want to offer them? I think that uh, I, again, want to affirm, you know, how honored I am to be the first student on this podcast. And along the lines of that, I want to just sort of express that we are all students in some way or another. We are all learners, no matter if you are a student or an educator, your learning will continue throughout your entire life. So I just want, you know, anyone, all the lifelong learners to have compassion for themselves um, you know, have compassion for the idea that they are constantly learning and growing and that you're allowed to get things wrong. You're allowed to learn and grow and explore. Um, and I think that we should hold space for that. You know, being a student is a really special thing and it doesn't exactly have to stop, you know, once you graduate or once you uh, cease to attend a school. Um, you know, we're all learners and we can all educate ourselves, you know, for justice. For sure, for sure. And For those who are interested in following up with you, connecting with you, uh, watching you as you continue to engage in in your journey, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Instagram uh, at Clara.Mangali. I am private, but uh, if you know, if you want to connect, I would definitely love to continue these conversations about education and inequity with anyone who's interested. And the organizations that you're involved with? Yes. Um, so you can follow Gabriella South Bay um, on Instagram. I'm not quite sure of their handle. Um, follow Gabriella South Bay. Um, additionally, I just want to shout out another organization, Radical in Progress on Instagram. 
Um, we are on hiatus right now, but they're also incredibly cool for anyone uh, looking for some cool social justice um, study guides. Hey, folks, this was a treat having Clara Mangali on for the first time, representing the student voice, speaking to us about justice and healing, promoting organizations that are having real impact out there, not just talking about it, but getting their hands dirty and doing the work. And Clara, it's 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 an honor to have you. Um, I'm grateful for your insights. I'm, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. I'm I'm hopeful for our young people. You you make me hopeful in terms of just even from afar uh, and having not known you much, but the little bit that I've learned inspires me. And, and it, it encourages me that we have young people who are out there really doing this work. And so thank you. Thank you for the way you're engaging and thank you for the impact that you're having. And thank you for what you've taught me. Thank you so much for having me here. It was a joy to talk to you. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Look forward to hearing about your journeys at Berkeley next year. So best wishes to you with that. Stay in contact with us in our classroom uh, and multicultural classroom as an organization. And uh, we're cheering you on. Take care. Thank you. As always, your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated. Be sure to subscribe, rate the show and write a review. Finally, for resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.